Star Wars Legacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at Cage Club. So for all things podcasts, movies, music, media, and more, head on over to cageclub.me or like, subscribe, and follow on all of your favorite social media and podcasting services. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is ForceLegacy.html, a Star Wars tale. Yeah. In this tale, a young Star War decides that it's time to flee Europe because things are becoming uncomfortable for Jedis in Europe at this time. And he's a cat. Oh no, he's a mouse, right? He's a mouse. And he gets on a boat. Is it a boat? Yeah, it's a boat. He gets on a boat and he comes over to America with a much fatter cat that's his friend? No, he meets a fat cat in America who tells him that he knew his father and that his father was a Jedi and that he needs to learn how to sing Patsy Cline songs. We're, we're, we're getting too far away from it. Wait a minute, no, <laughs> wait, I thought Fievel's dad was in it, and he was like, no, Linda Ronstadt, I meant Linda oh, Ronstadt. Oh, it's Linda Ronstadt, Linda yes, Ronstadt. okay, well, so obviously, we're talking about everybody's favorite Star Wars movie, American Tale, Fievel goes, what the fuck? This would not be an episode of HTML if we didn't have trouble staying on topic, but it also wouldn't be an episode of HTML if we didn't have an amazing franchise ahead of us to look at. Today, we're going to continue taking a look at the Gendy Tartakovsky effort on Star Wars Clone Wars, know that, and here to do that with us is, of course, our amazing team. First up, we have phenomenal husband team, Kyle and Steven. Hello. I would definitely watch that that movie. With the music goes something like, there are no Sith in America and the streets are lined <laughs> in sand. Everybody. I'm just free. <laughs> this is somewhere out there beneath the blue harvest moonlight. Someone's thinking of me and drawing me to the dark side tonight. I, I need this film. I need Don Bluth. Don Bluth, can you hear me? Oh, is he a is force he ghost with now? Us? I don't know. Don Bluth, you're a force ghost. I'm checking that because let's not be the ones to announce that Don Bluth is dead. Well, while Kevo finds out if we just started the Don Bluth internet hoax, I would also like to welcome onto the show the one, the only, Warpath Dylan and all of his Warpathy in this. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I don't have anything funny to say like Kyle and Steven. But that was funny in its own way. Funny in like that sort of like, oh, now no one knows what to do way. So I'm going to help you and I'm going to pivot over to. Wait, do we have an answer? If it helps, you're the first to know that Don Bluth is, in fact, still with us. Oh, shit, Don! I'm so happy! (laughs) Don, do you want to do episode 10? Yeah! Don Bluth, episode 10. But, of course, before we can get to episode 10, we gotta talk about, what is this, 2.5? 0.1? Yeah, 2.5, something like that. So, like, 2.5.1, but we can't talk about 2.5.1 without Jonah. Hello, everyone. When Steven started singing, I thought he was gonna start singing, you know, the greatest Sith Lord song by the greatest Sith Lord, Ethel Merman, there's no business like Sith business, but I want that instead, please. <laughs> You're all going on my Badawan list, okay? Oh my so, god. I would like to remind the audience where we last were. I haven't been contacted by the FBI yet, so please 
I, I'm gonna try and keep you off of as many lists as I can. But did you guys know that Chris Hansen got busted for dating a much younger woman? And like every news article that like covered it was like, ah, oh, busted with a younger woman to catch a man predator. And I was like, guys, you're taking this way too seriously. People are so thirsty for these stories. Everybody wants hot goss. So where we last were in Star Wars was we had a kind of a short introduction where everybody was like, oh, acting animated we are. And then like the emperor was kind of like, well, I'm not emperor yet. And then like Obi-Wan was like, Annie. And Anakin was like, Obi-Wan, no, even the young <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, I cannot. Okay, McClunky, McClunky. So, I think you're safe for it or something. I think so. And then we discovered the underwater magic that is Kit Fisto. See? I said, that's his name. I said it right this time. I said it right that time. All right, so we covered Kitty, and that brings us to Dirge the Dog Man that Won't Die. All right, you know, guys, I love Dirge. I think this guy is amazing. I love that he can knit himself back together like a sweater from hell. He's like a viney wolverine. Ooh, yeah, I see that. Like a nimrod made of gross. Yes, he likes to joust. Yeah, Gendy Karnkowski really wanted jousting in this universe. Well, that actually brought me to an interesting question I had for you, Stephen. I know you're kind of like the guy who loves to drive all around the EU. There were just some really unique things in this. Like, there was a lot of cloaking technology throughout this film. Specifically, things like bodies mending back together. I know there's cloning, and there's the cloning facilities on Camino and recent revelations about the upcoming novelization of episode nine was some of this like you know mending together did that fit in with the Star Wars universe or was that just straight Gendy having a Gendy old time I think Star Wars has always been a kind of thing where it's like whatever serves the plot I mean this has always kind of been the thing with force powers and I would say like the jousting itself is not completely out of league with like all the unique vehicle concepts we've had in Star Wars I think it's just I think it was fine for the most part but it was just kind of hilarious to me how it's like a Apparently, the Republic just has these like jousting setups in reserve because just in case we need it, guys, you know, we have artillery and everything. But yeah, you never know. We might need to joust someone. Oh, no, I, I was looking online and what happened was the do not make that fucking face like, you know, I'm about to do a bit. You put that the fuck away. Oh, my I'm God. doing a bit. You do not get to roll your eyes at me. I was going to say that they invested in medieval times. Okay? I was going to say they invested in medieval times. You do not get to sit in judgment of me. What you saw was me doing a mental calculation saying, okay, this isn't serious. This is a bit. So if anyone doesn't follow him, I need to be prepared to explain what he's doing to our poor guests who don't necessarily speak. Speak Nico. <laughs> I was like, all right, I need to brace myself. Yup, that's the tone where I can tell it's just a bit. He's not about to say anything serious, but it might sound serious enough that someone might believe him. Bless your heart. I mean, if this had been maybe uh, a couple years ago instead of back in 2003, I would maybe believe it because Disney's pretty much buying up everything. Well, <laughs> well, now that now that Kyle has validated me. Ooh, but now Star Wars themed restaurants. That's something we got to talk about oh, someday. Now I'm hungry for it. But. You know, Dylan, you know, when I think obscure character and guy who stands for them and is like the human repository for them, <laughs> I think Dylan. And 
I find myself, <laughs> you know, it's it's weird because like you don't like gross the way I like gross. Like I like things. Like, I'll be like, oh my god, look at that horrifying monster. And Dylan literally goes, no, Nico, I'm sorry, you can't find that cute. That's actually too far. Welcome to my life, brother. He like flipped out when I said I found both Modok and Sugarman adorable. So oh I, my god. I um, anyway, we all did. <laughs> Well, I'm you're on my side. I'm numb to it by this point. I really am. I get why Annie killed all the younglings now. So, (laughs) Dylan, I have to know: Are you a dirge, Dylan? And if not, why don't you dirge for Dylan or Dylan for dirge? (laughs) Um, I actually answer the question. (laughs) Dylan is a dentist. Go. Um, I actually really like dirge. Uh, I don't know if it's just the kind of silly big macho-ness that kind of goes with him, but uh, I, I liked him, and I like the silly fact of Gendy having this person that just wants to joust in the weird space future. I'm with you. I love him. He's very Lobo from DC Ooh, Comics. Yeah. What a fragging great point. Okay, so I don't like him, and the reason why I don't like him <laughs> is because he grosses me out. He makes me uncomfortable. I don't like the tendrils. I don't like how he's... It's gross. And he might be (laughs) cool and evil and everything, but that's all negated because he's like a weird Japanese hentai monster. See, more for me than him, I like his IG biker gang. He's got this whole fleet of IG assassin droids with him. Uh, I would love to have that squad. Well, from a bad guy with a squad of Instagram followers to probably one of my favorite bad guys in the entirety of Star Wars, I knew nothing about Ventress before rewatching this, I guess. And I had to have known something at some point, but it didn't stick with me. I found myself, like enraptured by this character. I just thought she was phenomenal. And I did a little digging because I said to myself, self, she's got a lot of Gendy in her. She feels like a Gendy character, but would the Star Wars Lucasfilm company really do that? Would they really borrow back their own character? And it turns out it's somewhere between the first and the 40th drink. The character design was an early design by one of the designers for Attack of the Clones. If the character of Dooku had been a female badass Sith Lady. It was later used by the Tartakovsky crew, and I just think she's amazing. My only complaint in all of this, seriously, I actually think Dooku's almost okay here. My only complaint is they conveniently have lightsabers that look just like her, and just like her is like a fucking Beetlejuice sandworm. (laughs) So that is very specific decor to have prepared at your side, Dooku. She is a very sexy Cenobite, isn't she? Ooh! Oh, now I want a hundred of her, I, and that would make them a centobite. I love Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like Billy Holiday. I love him. I love Asajj. She is one of my favorite characters, and sh- the fact that she is just so capable with her powers without having been formally trained by either the Jedi or a Sith Lord, it's its just amazing. But, I mean, she does come from a clan of Force-sensitive aliens, so I guess it kind of does make sense. The death of mere night witches. Night yes. sisters, rather. Oh, yes. And that's canon we have to look forward to in the Clone Wars with a the, right? Yes. 
Did you say the Death Sandwich Night Sisters? Because I need this. <laughs> the Death of Beer Night Sisters. Any relation to the Hex Sisters from Scooby Doo? Okay, yeah, that would be good too. <laughs> I'm all about the Death Sandwich Mirage. The Death Sandwich Mirage Sisters. Yes, this is it. But yeah, I definitely think, I mean, this is a very good prototype of the Asajj Ventress we'll eventually see come to life in the Dave Filoni series. I mean, I think you have a lot to look forward to as you're watching through that version to see more of her depth and more of her background. But I definitely liked what we got here. I mean, she definitely served the purpose of being a cunning foe to put against Anakin. And I, I'm really happy they decided to continue, you know, bring her back into a canon version of Star Wars. Jojo, I have to know, no. What did you think of Ventress? I loved her from the moment that she stepped on stage and showed everyone, I'm a bald queen and you can't handle this. Because they kind of couldn't, because she's kind of really badass and super powerful and really cool. I loved part of her design is that she very much blends masculine and feminine traits really well. She's a very coded masculine character with certain masculine traits, but she's still drawn decently femininely, and I really appreciated that dichotomy in juxtaposing those two characteristics. I feel like she would be like, I did it, I killed all the fucking younglings, what do you want? Like, she wouldn't be like, me... I did it, Padme. I killed all the younglings. Oh my god. <laughs> I killed all the yinglings. Dylan, before he can get too happy with himself. <laughs> I, just like everyone else, really like Asajj. Uh, I like that we got to have a, basically the first time us having a female on the dark side to learn about so far in Star Wars canon, or in these first movies and whatnot we've only ever seen men on the dark side so it was nice to have a female and one that's not any sort of just like i don't know handmaiden or something one that will literally push your hands off so yeah that's what i love about asaj women serial killers need representation too exactly and it's one of the many characters for which I'm glad that we have Steven and Kyle on the show to assure us that they will translate to the Clone Wars with a the, because it's a character who certainly deserves that sort of focus and attention. I'm very nervous, though, because there's so much I still don't know, and... Like, what's on the death sandwich? Yeah, well, no, no it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sand. Sand's <laughs> on the death sandwich. Sand! And that's why Anakin doesn't like it. There's always sand. I am so desperate for sand sandwiches now. (laughs) Ah, why? Ew. For who? Who is that for? Well, you know what? Let's talk about something that I think might have been made just for me. Obi-Wan versus Dirge. Like, I could have watched a film of this. Please tell me Dirge shows up in Clone Wars because, like... Ooh, good question. I really fucking love the idea of seeing this battle between he and Obi-Wan go on in Dave Filoni greatness for, like, five parts. Unfortunately, no. He seems to be... It's okay, you didn't do it. <laughs> that was... He's just like this. A very, like, sound effecty death. A new Wilhelm scream, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the helm of the wills. Oh my god. Oh, I got it. No, I got you right uh, there. 
I don't have any notes for this battle, so I guess I didn't really have any strong opinions about it. I'm looking for them on my page. I actually refer to every move that Obi-Wan made as Loganing his way out of this. Oh, God. Because I thought, <laughs> I really thought he fought with, like, a gorgeous ferocity. Yes, yes. He was very um, ferocious and... Um, <laughs> And uh, ferocity? Brutal. I love that. Are just throwing out adjectives? <laughs> Fruit basket. <laughs> Not an adjective. <laughs> I really appreciated his, like, Arthurian knight style he had to him in this uh, getup that Obi-Wan was rocking. Well, I mean, it was one of his training costumes for medieval times. <laughs> I ultimately found my notes. I had two notes. One that, yeah, I, I love the fighting. I feel like it really raised the bar on how great live action battles need to be. My other note in all caps was, that alien was gross. It looked like Obi-Wan was swallowed by an anus. <laughs> <laughs> A cornflower blue anus, yes. Oh, no. This is also, in volume one, the only moment of, like, pure obi-wan sass we kind of get and i mean i really yeah. am disappointed that there was so little sass in this volume and it felt kind of half-hearted at that point. it was half-hearted sass which i guess makes it like like i don't have a joke what ass <laughs> i don't have a joke <laughs> i was like i guess it makes it ass <laughs> so what did you guys think of this ass right dylan jonah way in way out the whole getting swallowed and then bursting out th yeah that was gross <laughs> i'm not into vor so this definitely wasn't for me use the vor luke no i would have appreciated <laughs> if the scene maybe wasn't in this because i already don't like this villain i didn't like that he swallowed up uh obi-wan like it was nothing and then he just you know exploded damn it now all i can think of is a bad porno name called star Vor. no the force awake comes I'm really into it <laughs> You know what? I kind of think any porn called It Comes is like the most <laughs> threatening film ever. It's, I, okay, I'm going to die. So um, I really enjoyed that it was a villain that Obi-Wan clearly could not beat conveniently. One of my problems with a lot of Star Wars villains is the Death Star is a great metaphor for a lot of villains. I understand that it was getting this one boopsie bop in this one tiny pinpoint hole, and that's what made the Death Star go, but for my money, that there, and I, that thank God that there was Rogue One that was like, here's why the boopsie bop, because I feel like a lot of things in Star Wars are kind of like Z putties from Power Rangers. Just punch it in the Z real quick and it explodes. But until we figure that out, oh my god, it's so hard to beat. Thank god we conveniently accidentally hit them in that really giant Z. And now we know how to defeat you. Yeah, for the most part, the higher ground stuff does kind of get to me. It frequently feels like one Jedi is like, ah ha ha, I will defeat you. I have three boots and I only need to wear two of them. And then the other Jedi is like, but I have a box of thumbtacks. And the first Jedi is like, oh shit, you're right, you win. I feel like that happens a lot. So I really enjoyed this battle. Did we mention that the banking clan kind of looks like they're from Yellow Submarine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyle. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do look kind of like potatoes. Speaking of potatoes, this last two-part Anakin thing. What? <laughs> How are you going to get to potato? <laughs> Switch Anakin with a potato. I mean, kind of. I make it say, I did it. I killed the spudlings. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? 
you are so pleased with yourself tonight. In case you didn't catch it, he said, I did it. I killed the spudlings. And just wanted to make sure in case it didn't get picked up well enough by the recording. It's like he killed the tater tots. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, I think that was one of the best things I've ever heard you say. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome, Jenna. I do have to say this part really did help underscore for me how great this voice actor was for Anakin because of what a whiny little brat he kept sounding like a lot of the time. Like when he screamed, do it now, it very strongly reminded me of Clone Wars when he yells at that. We'll do it live! (laughs) Tell us now! When he yells at the bounty hunter lady, he sounds like such a child all the time. And I think this voice actor really captured that aspect of Anakin very well. It's like whiny, but the least emotive language I've ever heard. It's like there's no emotion in it, but you still know it's whiny. It's such a weird dichotomy. It is passionless misery, <laughs> which is a really passionless white urgency. teen angst male thing to capture, you know? I actually would, if this had been like for real, like I'm so glad I didn't watch this as an actual cliffhanger because I would have been like, Gendy, 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 come get in the room, Gendy. This is not okay. I would have been like, what an anticlimactic ending. I which is why I'm glad it goes right into number 11, which... I guess if this hadn't been a cliffhanger, there would have been no reason for this segment to be more than two minutes. This was probably the low point for me. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, the most fillery of the episodes. I mean, it's pretty much there just to get Ventress caught up to Anakin and we go from there. And then we get Anakin being a brat to Obi-Wan, of course, because that's Anakin. Sorry, master. You're breaking up. Jonah, when this came out, you were really, you were the target audience and this was meant to have you on the edge of your seat and wanting to come back for the next season. Did you feel any sort of payoff from this cliffhanger and the way it drew out? No, we're not out there yet, but the ultimate fight between Anakin and Ventress I thought was really cool, and that fight sequence is something that I really enjoyed. This entire setup for Anakin disobeying what he's been told to do and chasing after this fighter ship that we don't know who's piloting, even though we technically do, I didn't really enjoy a lot of this fight because it felt really slow. Now, a lot of this show, there were some slow moments with the action, and that's okay. I don't think I was bored with the slow action here i felt bored i was like oh uh, okay pew pew spaceships and oh look anakin maybe did something kind of (laughs) cool not really um fire all your pew pews (laughs) pew would have been better if they were jousting in space (laughs) i kind of fire all your joust joust I said at one point while we were watching it, fire all your pew-pews. And then Anakin's next line was, fire all the torpedoes. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> Even when I was younger, I was a very non-patient child when it came to certain payoffs. And I would have needed that certain gratification, like, right away. So I probably would have been annoyed if I had to wait six months to see how that resolved. I have a question for canon enthusiasts. I feel like Anakin and Obi-Wan at one point talk about following this unknown attacker through hyperspace. And like, that's not a thing, especially at this point in time. That's not just me, right? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that's always it's (laughs) been bothering me because it's like, no, they shouldn't just know where they're going. I mean, in Star Wars, there are hyperspace lanes that they need to fly through. Even that's kind of a guessing game. So Anakin 
Anakin just to know where it's going, unless you know Ventress was sending him coordinates, which I guess they could have, you know, said, uh, but they didn't. I mean, that would have made didn't. more sense. Yeah. And then for the Ark Troopers to have their position, knowing that they're going to Yavin Four, was just really weird to me. You know what? And like, I can imagine how it would go if she was sending coordinates. He opens the message too fast, and he looks at R four. He's like, "Damn, I opened it too fast." Oh crap! She saw I read she it. She saw I read it. Gotta act like I'm not going to show up at those coordinates. All right, just tag myself casually flying through a hyperspace lane and just make sure to leave the location on. She just casually sends him some emojis of sand along with it so that he gets pissed off and decides to follow her. Anakin definitely posted to guys with iPhones. Anakin definitely posted to guys with iPhones. Oh, yeah, of course. Michael Stipe posted to guys with iPhones. So, I mean, it was pulling in some formerly famous talent. (laughs) But did Obi-Wan? I think Obi-Wan posts to guys with androids. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at times, like, either Gindy wasn't getting help from the Star Wars lore group, or he just wasn't caring. No one fuck with me about this Mace Windu bit. This is like my favorite thing in all of Star Wars. This is equal parts further backing up what we're saying about how ridiculous this is. And yet also at the same time, holy crap, I loved Mace Windu punching robots. This was like literally some brilliant shit. So for me... The way that I, this, uh, this particular segment gave me the feeling that these stories are more a legend than what actually occurred. Like the myth magnification factor. I love that. It really brings a finer point to the exaggerativeness of the text. One thing I noticed also, and I kind of want to take a quick step back to Asajj and her duel against Dooku and compare it back to this. On another watch of this, I kind of realized something about Gendi. When he's doing duels against two force users, he seems to pull the force back, and it's much more in line with the films. But when he has any force user going up against, like, an army or something, he goes completely crazy with the force powers. And I, you know, I'm thinking about this now. It's like, it's really interesting because it's very similar to Samurai Jack. And when Jack is fighting, like, you know, whole hordes of enemies, he's, you know, like a rolling ball of death, just cutting a swath swath of destruction. But when you're in those episodes where he's facing, like, another skilled opponent, the the movement and the action is much more choreographed and measured and each like swing has impact and i feel like you know th- that's kind of just gindy he when he's in those you know sort of big large battle situations he's doing a power fantasy but when he's you know doing a duel he goes much more to like a, like a samurai type like the old samurai movies and all you know when you go to the films the force has a lot of reverence about behind it when it's shown on screen you kind of think about stuff like yoda raising the x-wing the score is swelling you know it's a big moment and they're like these minor miracles and here it comes off as much more loses that impact here to agree it's fun and i feel like if i was watching this as something other than star wars i'd love it i think it's that way that they're both lucas and tartakovsky disciples of the kurosawa school of filmmaking yes and i think what we're seeing is the counterbalance of what they supplanted kurosawa with For George Lucas, it's the sort of rich neon passion fantasy of Flash Gordon and these larger-than-life stakes. But for Gendy Tartakovsky, it's 
this nearly Harvey P. Carr looking, yet still almost almost Charlie Brownsian sense of realism. Think another element of the storytelling that adds a layer to everything as well is what Gendy does and doesn't do with language and how much of these stories, how much of, you know, a lot of his stories, but we're talking about these, how much of these stories are told in complete silence. And, you know, I think sometimes it does work, sometimes it doesn't work. Dylan, do you feel like that method of storytelling is more engaging? Is it less engaging? What does and doesn't work for you about the style in which the stories are being told? I think when it came to this cartoon, they had to kind of use a couple different ways of storytelling because they know the audience that is watching is going to be mainly a whole lot of Star Wars fans who have been watching Star Wars for decades now, but then also trying to make it be appealing to children who are just now coming into Star Wars. So I feel like some of it might fall on the bad side of critiques that we might be giving, but we also have to take into consideration that they were trying to be an appealing cartoon for children. And so I feel like the different methods that had to be used, especially the ones that mirror George Lucas and the school of writing and storytelling. It just had to try, they had to try to balance for all sorts of audiences. And that's kind of something different than other cartoons or TV shows at the time, because they really are trying to appeal to a very large amount of audiences. Uh, I thought that's actually one of the most exciting couple of episodes. I thought it was really cool and interesting in getting to show off how badass Mace Windu is and his beautiful, gorgeous purple lightsaber that I want. Ah! <laughs> it's the best lightsaber ever! That's, oh, well, no, I want a second lightsaber because I'm greedy like that. And I want Chewie's uh, nephew, who's a Jedi, and he has a bronze lightsaber. I had to look all this up. Ooh, right. I forgot Slobaka? about the bronze. Wait, what's his name? Lobaka. Lobaka. I Lobaka. forgot about the bronze lightsaber. I actually want Ray's, obviously, but like Ray's in one hand and, oh my god, Ray's lightsaber in one hand, Mace Windu's in the other. I would look like I was trying to run through Miami at night. Ah! <laughs> I'd like you it. aren't already. You want purple and yellow light sh- lightsabers. Shocking. Groundbreaking. I got a really strong, weird echo from this episode. It really reminded me of the drill episode from Avatar The Last Airbender. So I guess oh my God. in that regard, Avatar would have been inspired by Clone Wars. But, you know, that was something that de- definitely burst in my head. I can see that comparison, especially here. It's a very serious episode. I, I I'm having the like I'm trying I'm having a hard time describing the best way to bridge that comparison, but I know what you mean. That's what I I, I can't express it. That very, you know, small warrior against this giant machine idea. Which actually feels in many ways like the crux of Star Wars at all times Mm. isn't really the heart of Star Wars Luke Skywalker versus the Death Star. They make it pretty clear in that first movie that Darth Vader is the counterbalance to Obi-Wan. So it's kind of like David and Goliath. It's this little dude versus this great big monster just floating in space. And then it becomes Luke versus... Versus the Empire. It's always this small figure pitted against this much larger reality of severity. And Gendi getting a chance to 
take that and try and talk about it is a lot of fun now. But you know what, Jonah, you inspired the greatest conversation ever. And I have to know, I want a purple and yellow lightsaber because I feel like those reflect my spirit, a loud purple and yellow lightsaber. That's very, that's very me. Guys, what would your lightsabers be? And if you're going to go for something outlandish like candy cane striped, I need you to prove to me in canon where this is possible. If there's a candy cane kyber crystal, I need it. (laughs) Jonah, so what is Lobaka's lightsaber? It's bronze, you say? Yes, I want it because I feel like I am Lobaka. I am the younger Wookiee Jedi because I'm furry enough to be him. I also want a silver lightsaber. And I would wield it similar to how Darth Maul wields his, you know, conjoined lightsabers. I want to do that. The two colors conjoined (laughs) or? Yes. Because I'm greedy. But if I was even greedier, I would pull a General Grievous and have four different lightsabers of four different colors. Oh my god. Because I'm that extra. I mean, it's a permissible amount of extra. Is everyone... Who else has an answer that extra? Who... who... I was just going to say one color. I mean, you know, power to you. Yeah, I was just going to say one color, too. I don't have an extra answer. Well, Dylan, what is that? Well, I would really want a blue one, but I feel like certain things in my life have caused me to always want to go to a dark side, so I'd probably end up with red. Ooh, but get like a pretty red, like a ruby red, or like a rust. Or like a really plum purple, so it's a combination Ooh. between red <laughs> and blue. Magenta. Or I like Burgundy! A, I like ooh, Burgundy. Brick. I like a deep color for you though. Mm-hmm. Okay. What the fuck kind of Ollivander's lightsaber bullshit is this? <laughs> Kyle, what color would you color your kyber crystal if Kyle could color kyber crystal's colors? Mm. So while Radio. while my favorite color is green, I really do see myself with a yellow Jedi Temple Guard lightsaber. About it. Much about it. You're always the peacekeeper. <laughs> yeah. I... I I can't help it. It's not bad. It's just, <laughs> damn you for just always being very consistent Aww, and nice. <laughs> Steven, what about you? What color is your kyber crystal? I think my kyber crystal would ultimately have to be white because I would be the kind of person I think that would walk away from the Jedi and their bullshit. Wait a minute. White is an option? I need three now. Oh, white wait till it- you get to Rebels. It's wonderful. Can I put one behind my ear or something? Because, like, I'm, I'm out of hands. In your mouth. Now, guys, I need to know, Kevo, what color would your lightsaber be? I, you know, Jonah's bronze triggered memories of really loving uh, the new Jedi stories. And when I would go in chat rooms on America Online and roleplay as Star Wars characters, I was really into being Anakin Skywalker. And I made my lightsaber then gold, I believe, because I was a really pretentious little shit. And I was always about like, you know, the special thing. Now I care less about things like that. So I would probably say something a little bit more like green. And if I wanted to make it special, maybe dark green instead of like, because like, yeah, like a hunter green. Green or like green. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like, you know, or the gold. I don't know. But like a nice camo handle. Yes. Camo shades, but mm. not like camo style. Cause I like, like I don't live in Appalachia. No, no offense. Like I it's if you enjoy it, from. you enjoy it. Yeah. You know, that's fine. Is there any precedence at all for the potentiality of like 
two colors at once. Like, like swapsies? Yeah, because like I feel like the dark saber is black, but like with a a whitish white glow. ombre. So mm, like very offensive ombre. So like, can you have like purple with a yellow ombre? That would Ooh, look a I little... would love that. I'd, I just need the one. It would it would look a little radioactive, but you don't care. I don't care. You I'm don't care if it is radioactive. Jonah's already radioactive, so it's fine. Beep boop. Yes, save me. <laughs> <laughs> So now here's my other question. I actually not a big sword guy. Never been a big sword guy. That's not my thing. If you could have a kyber powered weapon of some other kind, just allow for the blade to be able to be forged by magic. Whoop, boop. Whatever. Right. What weapon would you want a kyber blade of? Okay. Because I'm Jonah. I have two again, but. So my first one that I really want, my number one would be a scythe, almost like Spinel from Steven Universe. That's like the... I like it. Ooh. I like it. That's the number one. But then the number two is my favorite weapon without throughout history are lances. So I want a lance. Mm. Are you going to joust with it? They have it? something like that. Ha! They have something like that in Force Awakens, I think. They have like a laser lance that the stormtroopers use. For me, I really love... Like offense combat shields, like kind of like Cap has in Infinity War. I really like weapons that are also defensive tools at the same time. And I would love some sort of like very blade tipped kind of shield wrist gauntlet fucker. I feel like I could probably take my own eyebrows off, but then cool. I'm the Jedi with no eyebrows and also wrist things. I think for me, maybe chakrams, you know throw them around with the force. That's hot. Xena has never had it so good. I want to be swinging something around and I'm going to go with a morning star. I love it. Love it. Dylan, tell us, what weapon would you have and what obscure character had it first? I feel like I would want something a little bit smaller, but more hand-to-hand, like two of my favorite fictional characters, the Yellow Ranger and her daggers, and Warpath Warpath and his Bowie knives. So I would want something about the size of a Bowie knife or a Yellow Ranger dagger. But I want two of them. I love that. I want two of them to be extra like Jones. No, and that's like yeah. that's so that's so Star Wars. That's sort of like dexterity. I could see a Jedi spinning, having left one in midair for a second to do like a parry, and then they spin back around and grab it on its way down. Like I could really see that sort of quick action duality from a Jedi very naturally. Ooh, and what if one Kyber crystal was red and the other was blue, and you could like combine them into a weapon, and it made the blades look like purplish? Oh my so God, Don Bluth, I love when this. When you start on ep- <laughs> right, absolutely. When Don. John Bluth starts on episode 10. And not die. Because he's not dead. (laughs) And it's Star Wars episode 10, Attack on Medieval Times. I think we already know what our characters, because our characters are going to be like backgrounders, like NSYNC. I think we already know what our characters are going to have. Guys, it has been an amazing time walking the Jedi path with you. It seems like this Gendy thing, I think we're, this is like Dark Phoenix territory, where this is going to be much, much longer than the work it is talking about, which strangely enough, sounds like we're talking about the dead by Joyce. (laughs) But does anyone get that joke? No. (laughs) Oh, it's so sad. Wait, do you? 
I got enough. Joyce, Joyce is... Uh, it's, it's okay. We're all uneducated. Blame the American school systems, brother. <laughs> and I've actually enjoyed so much our lighthearted look at this. It's meant to be fun, and we're treating it like fun. And I kind of think Star Wars forgets to have fun sometimes. So it's been, well, a lot of fun. And until we come back... To have more said fun. Kyle, Steven, where can everybody find you? Well, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Uh, that's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. And you can find me on the next episode of HTML and whatever list Nico happens to get me on between now and then. I like it. Dylan, it's so great having you on so many shows right now. Seriously, it's been such a blast. And... Other than on these shows, I know you run a number of amazing online groups for a number of obscure X-Men characters, as well as a general X-Men group, House of X. Where can everybody find those? Everybody can find all of those groups on Facebook. I don't really know how to answer that. You, like, said all the names and everything. Well, I didn't say... I said, what fucking name? <laughs> name Uno! This is going to air. I'm leaving this out! No, um... (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, be like... Yeah, just be like, you know, whether it's House of X or Uh, House of Monet or... Like... House of (laughs) Xena. I don't have one of those yet. Like Nico said, uh, you can find me at either House of X or House of Storm or House of Wolverine. There's lots of houses just... Think of an X-Men character and there's a house for it, most likely. Or you can find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Jonah, it is such a blast jumping back into different sci-fi franchises with you and kind of getting your perspective as somebody who experienced so much of this media from a different angle than we did. I think it's amazing that you and this Gendy project didn't have a stronger background, but I'm super excited that we've had you watching it. Until you're on our next episode of this or in your hosting capacities on X's for Podcast each week, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. Look here, you little monster (laughs) you have picked on me all episode (laughs) i love you so much and i am so excited (laughs) to hit stop on this on this goddamn nightmare i'm gonna go get cake but kevo for real it's been such a great time experiencing star wars with you because we did marvel kind of because i grew up with marvel and you wanted to really have a stronger understanding and now i feel like i'm getting to do that with you with star wars and it's just been amazing and part of why we did marvel at the more break neck pace that we did it at was because we were trying to get everything out before Endgame because we wanted to get through our own watch to have experienced all those stories and dive into that film and I'm glad that we did but you know since we're starting this from the other side of a movie we really have more room to ruminate and digest and play out and really look at these things that even this which isn't canon I love the point that Kyle made that it feels like these are almost like mythic tellings of things that happened during the Clone Wars and even though this is no longer canon with that perspective it does make it really cool to look at and you know it's just there's so many cool stories and we both love Gendy so much that 
and I'm really glad that we are examining this as closely as we are. And other than our amazing online webcomic like Kid Riot at KidRiotComics.com or our internet portals like WeAreKrakoa.com or AccessForPodcast.com, where can everybody find us? I think we have some kind of Facebook page or somewhat. Yes, at Real Nico Kevo Action. The title is a little more nebulous. I'm working on that. You can also find me personally at Kevo Really on Instagram and Twitter, uh, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And Nico, where can the folks find you? You guys can find me knocking the drinks back with Bluth. Yes, that Bluth. <laughs> Over on Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until we come back, remember, there's always money in the banana stand. And may the force be with you. And, and also, also with unto, your force ghost. And also unto you. What is it? And so also unto yourself. Unto, unto your spirit. So we're going with force No, ghost. no, that other thing. The, what other the, thing? And, and, and a happy munchkin unto Alan <laughs> Tudyk on, on Bluth Show. Bluth Show with Alan Tudyk. It's a banana, Anakin. And, How much can it cost? <laughs> no, Kevo. Ten credits? That show. And it's, and it's yeah. Egg's dad. Uh, it cost the women and the children, too. <laughs> Wait, her? You mean younglings. And as it is such, so also as such is it unto your force ghost. That's what you're trying to think of. And is that what you did right away? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Guys, we'll see ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.